Hello, welcome to the Withy Window Podcast, brought to you by Covenant Coffee. The Withy Window Podcast exists to help men and women have dominion and mastery over their corner of the earth as they build godly households that are sturdy, productive, and joyful. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord overall, and we desire to see His Word come out our fingertips. And particularly, we desire to build upon the commands of Christ by speaking specifically about the wisdom of applying those commands. Well, my name's Matt. I'm joined here by my wife, Sarah. Hi, guys. Today, we're going to talk about how to develop a household mission. I love and the how-to podcast. You love the how-to. Yes. Uh, yeah, how, how do we actually, uh, you know, some practical steps to developing a household mission. Of course, we, we have to start with kind of setting that up and kind of framing it first before we get into some more practical steps. Because, I mean, honestly, like, what is a mission? And uh, why is it important? And We've got to lay a foundation. Yeah. So both, so to do that, I'm going to start back in Genesis. I don't want to rehash. We've already talked about a lot of this in other, in other episodes. But... First of all, I just want to emphasize that both men and women are called to subdue, conquer, exercise, dominion, and so on, like to, to, uh, to bring order uh, to life in, uh, as we go and as we build the Lord's kingdom. But they're to do this in different spheres and with different orientations. Right, men towards the world and objects and tasks and women oriented towards the home, um, subjective things, like relationships. Yeah, those like the toward the world is like where they're focused at. The ob- like objects and tasks tend to be what men are like um, uh, kind of uh, more prone to focus on. Yeah. Right? Uh, and better at in general and women tend to be better at uh, more subjective feeling, like relationship kind of things. They're they tend to be more intuitive mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, they're more intuitive when it comes to those things. You know, men are like oblivious sometimes. Right. Well, you were feeling how, but they well, know how to make a project happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Which is why there's a little bit of a delay in some of our between our last episode and this one. We had friends from out of town. Uh, some dear friends we haven't seen in a couple years uh, that I went to seminary with and that we met while we were there. And then we've been here on the farm putting in uh, 550 feet of water line so that we could uh, resurrect a well from the late 1800s, uh, a surface well that was literally originally hand-drawn up water to feed or to water the um uh, horses and stuff that would come by the house. Yeah. So that's been fun to... Of course, we didn't resurrect the well so that we could hand draw the water. Right. You know? <laughs> we resurrected the well so that we could use a pump to run water out to our cows and, and stuff. So, But you know, as soon as we turned that water on, I felt like we were just like people back in history. Like, oh my gosh, look, water. <laughs> that's right. It's like... That's right. Yeah, because... I mean, now we have some water hydrants out in the middle of our field. So, um, you know, part of our mission uh, as a family is to be a, a productive and sturdy household. 
And, you know, last month we used like 33,000 gallons of city water, uh, which there's multiple reasons. I won't go into detail of why that happened, but um, we now have water that's ours that, I mean, we really can't drink it, but it will cut down on our costs and it's plenty sufficient to feed our animals and mm-hmm. to water the gardens and, and flowers and, and all those things. So um, that was, it fit as a part of our mission mm-hmm. um, uh, as a family. So otherwise we wouldn't have done it right? Um, if it didn't fit that mission. So that's kind of like mission is important. And then understanding though, when it comes to mission, mission is not just a man thing and it's not just a woman thing, it's a human being thing. Mm. But what the mission typically looks like for a household is both, or both with non-Christians and Christian homes, unfortunately, is that tend, what tends to be the case is that both spouses are oriented toward the world or outside the home, away from the home. Right. Well, that's what naturally happens. That's what our flesh just takes us to. That's like yeah. weeds just sprouting in the garden. That's just what naturally happens. You have to work to keep the weeds out. You actually have to work to have a biblical mission Yes. For your household. If you're not working for that intentionally, then it's not, things are going to take that place. Yeah. Things of the world. That's right. And the gravitational pull for women is to work outside the home. Like that, for sure. various reasons. Some sure. of that's to prove themselves, like they're quote-unquote just as good as a man. For some, it's because they've just dug a big financial hole and they they're just trying to get out of it. So I think um, also just a you know a natural lifestyle that we're accustomed to, even growing up, we're like accustomed to this kind of level of living. So in order to have that level of living, when we get married, we both work. Yeah, yeah, dual income families mm-hmm. like that's that's just the norm. It's norm, yeah, and so. I'm not saying that that's good. I'm just saying that that's the norm. So what tends to happen is then the mission of the family uh, in its totality becomes aimed away from the home instead of one person being oriented away from the home and Mm -hmm. one person being oriented towards the home. Right. So, you know, men, um, you know, in their orientation away from the home, though, tend to fill that up with obviously career, but then sports and physical fitness and hobbies. And again, not that any of those things are particularly bad in and of themselves. Um, it's just what naturally grows mm-hmm. in a person's life. Yep. You know? And they can take over the whole garden if you're not careful. Sure. And, and f- then... And for her women, um, I would say, I would also say career, um, making money and maybe even being admired and successful in your job um, is one thing. Um, hobbies, maybe specifically like friendships... Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I'll add this to like Instagram, like social media, like Instagram has a mission and so much time for a woman, for a girl can be spent pursuing the mission of being whatever Instagram has decided is good and right. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're scrolling, it's like, oh, this is appealing to me. So like you actually can make a mission to become like what you see. Um, another common one for moms um, would be a mission of focusing on like your child's interest. Um, so what's interesting about this one though is it feels like it's oriented towards the house because it's a child, but it's actually oriented to a child versus the whole household. Um, for example, like a deep dive into a sport. Like so you're spending lots of family time, lots of money, lots of energy 
orienting like the whole family life to be on mission for the child in that sport or whatever hobby, you mm-hmm. know, such child is good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see this frequently where huge seasons of people's lives where it's like literally they've got a few, you know, maybe a couple hours for church. They're spending 40, 50 hours a week um, working, mm-hmm. and, and particularly in a lot of homes where it's mom and dad are both working, they go to church for a few hours together, and then the rest of their hours are spent either catching up on kids' homework and going to sports. So when do they have time? And I get it, you're traveling to sports together, you're watching your kids in the theater of sports, so there's good things there, mm-hmm. but when does the family have time to be just the family and in conversation and, mm-hmm. and actually having meals together, which just having space to be the family together, yeah. to converse, to actually, um, you know, even talk the scriptures together. So just time and space. Yeah. So what happens is both barely get to the home. They barely get to raising kids well. They barely get to making a home a beautiful or hospitable place. They barely get to focus on the discipleship of the family. Or having healthy relationships within the household, which yep. takes time and space. And all of that, let alone having a mission where everyone is unified around that mission and everyone is on board and everyone is together and we're working towards these things. That's true. It's not just even just the marriage being on mission, but it's it's inviting and encouraging your kids on yeah. the family mission. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've said this for a while. Like, we, we've got to give... Like, uh, human beings were designed to build. Like, we're meaning, like, we're going to subdue, conquer, um, raise up, bring life. You know, men and women are going to do that. And so if you don't give them good, godly things to go build, they're going to go build for somebody. Mm-hmm. And so, so what happens is... Parents tend to ship their kids off to school, especially, you know, pagan state schools. And what do they end up doing? The kids end up spending their time building for a pagan. Well, then you send them to a, a secular sports camp or, or team. And again, I'm, I mean, our kids are playing on a secular soccer team right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that that's wrong, but, but then they're going to go build for them. You know, they're going to go build a team underneath a, a pagan lord, like... And again, not not that that's bad, but if if that's all there is to life, is your kids being shipped off to do mission for a godless person, that that's that's not good for those kids. If we want to keep our kids, we need to show them the beauty and the glory and the honor of being on mission for God and His kingdom, so that when they grow up and they now go to build their own households that they have a, a dream and a taste for what it's like to be on mission uh, for God. And it just encouraging families to be just attentive, like actually aware of what you're doing, what you're involved with, what you, what you, where you're spending your time. You know, like you said, we have our kids on a secular soccer team right now, but we consciously chose that. You know, we did, we're not just kind of in the stream being enveloped into pagan culture. It's like um, we know what our mission is, and we've chosen this slot of time, this season, mm-hmm. to partake. Yep, exactly. So now 
So I hope, like, or I understand, like, the importance of mission, and we just kind of taste a little bit of that here. So now what I want to do is I want to make this statement, and then I want to talk through a few verses, um, and then we're going to kind of build from there. So the statement is this, the home should be oriented around the man's mission. Um, so what I want to do is I want to work through a couple passages in Genesis quickly, and hopefully help us see, uh, it's not a full defense of this, but help us to see where I'm coming from and where we're coming from, and then we'll build from there. So I can read, um, I'll read the first passage, Genesis 2, verses 5 through 8. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then Genesis 2, verses 18 through 20. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. All right, so... What's really important here is that you understand the order, that we understand the order of these events. So, you know, in Genesis 2, well, let me back up. In Genesis 1, you have like, God has created the heavens and the earth, and He's created the land, and He's created the, separated the waters and, and the spans, you know, between land and the sky, you know, and, and the animals and and so on and so forth. And then two expounds upon this creation event and gives us more detail. Well, when you get to verse 5, he says, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. And and then you see in verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put man. So what you need to understand in this passage is that before uh, so this is, God has created and created and created, but he hasn't done the garden yet. Which is interesting, because growing up, when God creates, all you think about is the Garden of Eden. Yep. Like, when he's creating, all you imagine is, this creation is only in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, I did. Yeah. So here, God had not created man yet, and he's not created the garden yet. So the 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 stuff of the garden is there, but God's not filled, or I'm sorry, formed and filled yet, mm-hmm. right? And that, that I think those are key words. Um, and he says he hasn't done that because there was no man to work the ground and there was no rain to water it, right? Instead of a mist was coming up from the ground, verse 6. So God creates the earth and various aspects of that. Then he creates man. In verse 7. In verse 7, yep. And then in front of man's eyes, this is so crucial. This is verse 8. In front of man's eyes, he plants a garden. He forms and fills this beautiful place. He brings, he exercises dominion and mastery and subduing. He does this before the man's eyes. 
So there's two things I want you to pick up, two nuances there. He's doing it before Adam's eyes, like for him to watch, mm-hmm. and he's doing it before only Adam's eyes. Eve's not in the picture yet. Mm-hmm. So he gives Adam the job, and he models the job or the mission for Adam. I want you to form the ground and then to fill it. So I want you to conquer it, and then I want you to order it and subdue it and to be a husband to it. I want you to cultivate it. He's modeling. Yeah, which is just in front incredible. Of Adam. Like, and I spent so Think many... Think about the companionship, too, of God showing Adam that. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just I spent most of my life not even recognizing that unique picture there in Genesis chapter 2. God just, you know, I grew up and I you know, still am reforming this, but like thinking, oh, God's just distant creator God making things, you know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. No, the, and this fits like with God walking in the cool of the garden with it Adam. It does. It does. Right? Well, because, well, I mean, because God shows him how to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, then Genesis 2 then the Lord said... Just it's later not good. on in Genesis. Yeah, Gen- right? uh, 2, verse 18. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Well, well, what would you think would happen next? Well, that he would make a helper fit for Adam. Yeah. But he doesn't make a helper fit. So he recognizes the problem, but then what does he do? He gives the mission to Adam to name all the animals. Verse 19 says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, and, it, mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah, so here, God recognizes that man's alone, but he doesn't bring Eve into the picture until after Adam has exercised the mission of ordering the animals, like and, and giving them a name. And then, and then further, we didn't read this passage, but then who names the woman? Adam. Adam, because she is flesh of my flesh, and, mm-hmm. right? And then later, he names her a second time, which is Mother Eve. Living. Yeah, Eve. Eve, which is a side note here, uh, something I was studying today as I'm teaching on, on womanhood on Sunday mornings now, is that, um, is that he names her Eve and Mother of the Living in light of the uh, curse and the promise of the forthcoming serpent crusher who she will give life to him, and he will be the one who defeats this evil that's coming. So Adam recognizes the promise of the coming Christ that will come... Even through, before the fall? Through the life... Well, this is post-fall. Oh. Right? Post-fall. So this is beginning of chapter 3, because it's it's after the curses, um, the snake will crawl on the ground, and so on and so forth. It's after all that that Adam names her... Eve, mother of the living. I did not know that. Yeah. So he names her woman, you know, in Genesis 2. Uh-huh. Yeah, before the fall. Yeah. And then the fall. And then Eve. It names her which, Eve. Of the living. Yeah. In chapter 3, you have the fall, and then you get to where God curses the serpent, then he, then he curses the woman, and then he curses Adam. And then in verse 20... Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. So, and what what what's happening? I mean, you know, uh, Adam has just heard this idea of this woman who's going to give birth 
to this this um, uh, human this race. man, this human mm. that's going to crush the head of the serpent, right? A serpent, right? In verse fifteen, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, her offspring, mm-hmm. the life she's going to give, and she's going to give birth to an offspring who will crush your head and and you will strike his heel. And it's in that context that Adam says that his I, he's named her Eve because she will become the mother of the living. Mm, wow. I mean it's it's a that's a power. So yeah. so the the main thing I want to point out in chapter 2 is that the the mission is given to Adam first, then God creates woman to be a helper to that mission. So woman is not created to first and foremost go after her own mission, but instead, again, this is the normal... Yes, there's going to be the exceptions of, of a woman who never gets married, and it should be the exception. The norm is that she would get married and be a helper to her Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God gives the mission first to Adam, then creates woman to be a helper in that mission. So a woman is not created... Uh, the the vast majority of women throughout history are not created to first and foremost go after their own mission, but instead to assist their husband in his mission. You know, this was a surprise to me because for me growing up, I never learned like this about mission. Like parents are commonly teaching their daughters and their sons the opposite. Go get a career maybe find a spouse and likely find a spouse. I still think that's maybe the majority. Um, But then you just start, like there's no mission described after that. You just start the typical order of marriage with careers, maybe children, and living life usually oriented still around those careers. And then you add in children's sports and leisure with friends, and that's just the typical American family. Yeah, and, you know, one of the... the very practical struggles that I even see right now is, and I and I see some parents trying to re-navigate this, is like with their daughters, raising them up and setting them up to, to not be a wife. Like mm-hmm. meaning to go, go get your degree, go get your career, get strapped with debt. Mm-hmm. And then if you find a, a husband who can fit alongside your career then good. If not, oh well, move on. And and not remotely saying that that women shouldn't go to college or get degree. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what we can do is unintentionally put them in a position where um, they're oriented mm-hmm. away from the house. And especially if they end up with a bunch of school debt, well, now they got to go pay all that off. Right. And that's just... Parents just need to foundationally teach the, the the biblical mindset of a woman's orientation. That's got to be foundational. And from that foundation, it's okay, to, yeah, to go get a, a college degree and to work and and all that. You know, you just you got to think biblically. Yeah, you get to train train your daughter to understand that one day she will be oriented towards the home, and that she will be an assistant and a helper completer 
to her husband's mission. And if you help her and keep that in the forefront, then whatever skills she gets along the way, whatever education she gets along the way, she'll, Lord willing, it'll filter that through and funnel that, wow, one of these days I'm going to get to use this for my household mm-hmm. on mission with my husband. It's something to be eager for. Yeah. And looking forward to and praying for. This is something to be excited for. Yeah. You know, not something that is oppressive or anything like that. But so a woman is, you know, cr- not created to orient her life around her own mission, but she is to be at the ready to join her husband in his mission, um, which of course becomes their mission. Yeah. To um, you know, someone else said this. I can't remember who, but you know, Adam is created from the earth for the earth. Eve is created from Adam for Adam. Um, those are their orientations. Adam was again created from the dust to the ground. Mm-hmm. Eve was created from a rib of Adam, and and that shows the their focus. You know, Paul picks up on this later when he talks about, you know, man um, being the glory of God and woman being the glory of, of her man, husband. Of her mm-hmm. husband. And and so there's an order to these things and um and such. But you know, so back to this idea of mission and it being oriented around the husband's mission. So that so when we're thinking about household mission, the household mission, there's going to be a um uh, the bulk of that is going to be informed by the mission that God's given to the husband. But I will say it's not going to be complete, right? Because no, he needs his a wife. He needs yes. his wife. And so that puts such value and importance on the the woman, the wife coming into the picture. Not that she just like bows bows down and is like only his mission. Like she completes his mission. Absolutely. She is a huge part of that, and that's God's intent. Absolutely, and that's the intent of the kids. Mm-hmm. For the time that they're at home, mm-hmm. and even beyond, to some measure, like they are to be oriented towards the mission. They're supposed to be doing this together, mm-hmm. but but how many families, like, there's just, the maybe they're doing all doing their own missions, or they... Uh, you know, mom and dad's doing. I, I see this a lot, like with church people. Is like they'll, uh, mom and dad will be doing, like for example, their church mission. You know, they're he's mm-hmm. a deacon or an elder, and she's you know serving in the children's ministry. Mm-hmm. And so their mission is the church, but then they just tote their kids along. Yeah, um, and their kids are just kind of along for the ride, and mom and dad don't involve them and explain. This is our mission. These are our people. This is my church. This is where we're displaying the glory of God together and we're being equipped and we're equipping other people and you're part of that, kids, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, uh, and so the kids grow up then going, well... That's mom and dad's thing. And yeah. that was just, we're along for the ride. Yeah. And so then no wonder they're like, well, what was the point? Mm-hmm. And then, well, they, if, then they, they're not invested. That's right. They're not invested. They haven't bought and in. Worst case scenario, they're bitter. Mm, right. Like, well, mom and dad just kept leaving us to go do this the church stuff. And instead of saying, no, we're, we're along for this together, um, and here's your part, and, and, and so on. Um, what I also see, like, in many homes, too, is, like, uh, I remember this one family. Man, it was such a powerhouse family, just, just gifted people, um, uh, just just lots of talents, mm-hmm. um, 
but they were like a ship with huge sails and no rudder because no, the husband, no continuity, no unity, mm-hmm. no direction. They would shift from this direction to this direction. And when life was chaotic, they'd go start a business or mm-hmm. when life was going down the drain, they'd go buy a dog. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is the husband mm-hmm. was his, he had made his mission to keep the, the females in his house happy. Mm. I mean, that, which is a ridiculous and mm-hmm. terrible mission. Um, instead of helping them be happy in Christ, mm-hmm. uh, he was their source of happiness. So he just funded all of their missions. Mm. And so it was just at the whims of the females in his house. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at that family now, it's a disaster. If you think about it, then go back to the beginning of how we're females are more oriented to be subjective and, and such. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Um, again, another example, uh, uh, and I kind of alluded to this already, but uh, families where it's really the wife that's driving the mission. It's about her aims and goals. And, and I was even just talking recently to a, to a husband who I don't think realizes he's nothing more than the financer of his wife's mission, mm. um, where... Uh, you know, she's saying well, we've got to get these things done, and this is what we got to accomplish, and and he then just drops everything he's doing to come support her in her mission, mm. um, and not that the things that she maybe thinks need to be needs done are but not. But the problem is he's not initiating that. He's not dreaming that up with the vision. He's not dreaming, and he's not the one setting the pace, and he's not the one saying this is where God's called us to go. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, I think it's another thing we see is like both have their own separate missions, um, and they just simply share a house and they share kid duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's probably another common American, even Christian American home. Sure, mom's got her mission, and dad's got their mission, and they make sure they have shared duties, mm-hmm. like who's getting dinner tonight, or who's you know picking up the kids, and who's you know and. As long as they kind of keep everyone alive, then mom and dad get to go do their own mission, which mm-hmm. usually looks like, um, you know, your Instagram idea, like where they're just, mm-hmm. she's just trying to pursue something that looks like something she saw there, and or he's trying to build some big promotion, and and uh, man, they got a big beautiful house with a terrible family inside. Yeah, or maybe terribly unbiblical, because it's so it's interesting. Like personalities can really be inclined to certain. Uh, proclivities like the woman could just naturally have a stronger leadership type personality, and the and you know a man who isn't inclined to that marries her, and so then that's how they they work to work together. Woman leads and man doesn't, mm-hmm. but you really have to, and that's that's very common, and you really have to um, navigate that biblically and work extra hard yeah. because you're going against some of your your natural inclinations. Yeah. It reminds me, I'm looking forward to um, having some friends of ours on who have that proclivity mm-hmm. um, and where she, she's a really gifted leader and uh, influencer and, and uh, kind of anything that she kind of puts her hands together, puts her hands to like uh, kind of turns to gold, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's really easy for that husband to kind of, like we'll let her do it because I mean it's 
it's going it's it's going well. It's yeah, successful. It's blessing our family. Um, so we're excited. We're going to do an episode in the future, um, yep. near future, where we get to talk about the challenges and and how because they've they've built a beautiful household, mm-hmm. even with those proclivities where they're both. Uh, faithfully walking that out where mm-hmm. he's leading and she's following, but their gifts and strengths are complementary, and it's just a neat picture. Yeah. So, and very much oriented around his mission uh, that the Lord has given him. So now, uh, now let's get into some practicals here. So I, I know it's taking us 30 minutes to mm-hmm. kind of get here, but um, you know, I, I read a book, uh, it's, it's good to be a man by Michael Foster. And uh, that book is um, was really helpful in thinking through manhood and mission. And, and if you've not read it, I encourage you to go read it. So I'm going to work through some thoughts in here um, that uh, that's from that book. So um, let me give you a definition. A mission, this is from Foster, is your best effort at wisely integrating your interests, skill, and circumstances into a personal vision for exercising dominion over what God has given you. Yeah, and this has also not been taught to sons and daughters, and at best this takes form in just choosing a career, but does it go further into the career's purpose? Like, is it? can you teach your son your career's purpose for God's kingdom? Like, God's kingdom is just never even mentioned yeah. for growing up boys. No, it's it's literally... Well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Right? And then somewhere down the line, that turns into what will make you most happy. That's what you should go be. And then life smacks them upside the head, and they're like, oh, shoot, that thing I want to be, either I'm too dumb to, to get there, <laughs> or um, it's going to cost too much money, mm-hmm. or it's not going to make enough money for me to actually live on. Mm-hmm. And then that's... Pretty much the extent. Right. Right? Uh, instead of someone helping a son and a daughter put together like a, a, a robust idea of what it means to build God's kingdom, mm-hmm. right? And that means emotionally, physically, spiritually, with using all of your talents, all of your interests, um, recognizing your circumstances, the good parts of your circumstance, the bad parts of your circumstances, and forming that into a, the, a mission of exercising vi- uh, dominion over whatever it is that God has placed you. So here's some direction to help men create a personal mission. Think about this broadly, and here we go. Don't just think career, and don't just think spiritually. So you're going to think more holistically. Think okay. all of life. So think vocation, think ministry, Think property, think husbandry, think fathering. And like, and if you've listened to our other episodes and even what we've talked about here, this is, you're thinking everything. How do I utilize the skills? How do I utilize the vocation that God's given? Because, I mean, right at this point, a lot of people listening here are already in vocations, they're already in churches, mm-hmm. they're already doing various things. So you need to take and, and assess what do you have? What's what kind of property do you have? Um, think about your skills and who you're called to be 
a husband to. And what I mean mm-hmm. by husband to is not just your wife. Yeah, but, what do you think about husbandry? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. So like cultivating. What are you what what soil are you trying to grow? Like are you plants? a teacher? Yep. In a classroom with students. Are you a single, let's say male teacher who has a vocation of teaching? Mm-hmm. That would be an outlet of husbandry. Yeah. Yep. Of nurturing and cultivating yep. young men and women. Yep. And how does that look for the kingdom of God? It can also be husbandry to your home, mm-hmm. physical home. Your apartment, if mm-hmm. you're still in apartment life. Yep. yep. Your car, taking care of those things. Mm. So again, and then like property, what kind of property do you have? You know, what can you do with that property? Is Can you host people mm. um, where you can do ministry with people in your home? Um and or how many people? Because probably most of us have some kind of home we can bring people into. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of how many. Um, you know, in our case, we've we have a, a small farm, so there's there's other opportunities, things that we can do there. Um, what so, if you're a young male, for instance, and don't know how to cook very well? How can you go tap into a resource like in your church body and say, "Hey, I have the place. You know how to cook." You know, let's yeah. do this together. You oh, like, come help me cook. Yep. You know, yep. So think, think broadly. It's really easy for Christians to just think spiritually, mm. right? So what's my mission spiritually? Well, I'm going to go make disciples. Mm. Okay, well that should be part of it as a Christian. I'm going to go make disciples, but well, how? And that's going to be a part of your mission. How am I going to make disciples? Because, um, like, I mean, you. What if you were um, what if someone was deaf? Well, you can't, you're not just going to go make disciples with just anybody, not just anyone can do sign language, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, you have to think of that circumstance. That's a circumstance that God's put you in, and your mission is going to involve probably sign language. Mm-hmm. So you got to think, who can I do? Do how, who who does my mission need to be oriented towards, mm-hmm. given my circumstances? You know that that's that. So you got to take in all of those pieces. But it's easy for a Christian to just think spiritually, and, and then it's easy for them to like just separate. Well, now what do I what do I do career? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think think of it all all together intertwined. Mm-hmm. So some some questions. Now, real quick, if you like, if you already are married and you have a wife. You need to involve your wife in this mission development. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously it's God given to the man, um, but the woman is the helper. Yeah. If you're at yeah. that stage well, of the game. Yeah. And what I guess what I would recommend is um, working through it at least briefly yourself. Yeah. As a man. To initiate. You do some yes. of the groundwork. What I would encourage you not to do is to become emotionally committed to something so that you dig your heels in when your wife's like, yeah, What do no. you mean? You're not a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you're going to go buy 10 acres? And <laughs> honey, honey, I don't know. I don't know. You have a hard time just... Uh, you know, getting this done. You know, putting your clothes away and making sure they get into the laundry basket. <laughs> So I don't know. You might have some of those hurdles to cross. Maybe six first. months from now we can talk about this again. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. So do some legwork yourself. Absolutely. So you and and a woman needs that. A, a wife needs mm-hmm. the man to initiate. 
And it, I mean, she will, she will love you coming to her with ideas um, set forth. And that's just what you have to do as a leader. You'll be the first one. Yeah, absolutely. So some good questions that Foster asks, like, does it afford good opportunities to make money? Can you see ways to use this to provide for yourself and for whatever family God gives you? Um, so this is, uh, is a question that's a little more oriented around the vocation side, because this mm-hmm. is a provision, but this is, again, not the only part right. of this. So um, you know, like for us, when I'm looking at the farm, there's a provision aspect here, but there is way more of our mission that's involved in the farm side than me going off to another to a career um, uh, that I do on my own that my family is disconnected from, mm-hmm. and and they shouldn't be disconnected from. There's ways to involve them to just even just to talk about it. But when I think about like our our farm working there, there's um, there's be the property provisional yeah as well mm-hmm. like vo- a little bit of vocation but property like we were able to buy the property with the purpose and aim of cultivating work ethic and teaching our children to um, love your neighbor with what we were doing mm-hmm. and making some money yeah. as well. Yeah, so that was actually question number two here is, does it afford good opportunities to love your neighbor? For instance, can you see ways to use this to advance the cause of your neighbor consistent with God's law? Does it benefit others, or is it very inward-focused? Um, so is this mission, part of your mission, is it is it going to be a blessing to other people? Because what tends to happen is people tend to get their eyes fixed on something that's going to be self-indulging, and it tends to push them away from other people. Mm. I see this happen in like church often. They'll get their eyes set on on something, and it just begins to slowly pull them away from the people that they've been committed to. Oh, sure. Like you don't want a family mission that's going to uh, yeah, push you or isolate you away from from God's people. Yeah, absolutely. Like it needs to be, yep. you know, still in, in fact loving your church people yeah. through what you've chosen. So question three then, again, kind of goes along with that. Does it afford good opportunities to glorify God? Can you do it really well so that people who see it can see the excellence of God's handiwork? Uh, there's kind of two aspects here. I mean, one is, is it uh, righteous? But that's really covered underneath the questions before, like, is it consistent with God's law? Does it benefit others? And it will advance the cause of your neighbor and, uh, and so on and so forth. What, what's the more emphasis in this question, and I know this sounds like so uh, uh, not kosher to modern Christians, because in modern Christians, the way we tend to think is, well, if your heart's behind it, then that's all that matters. Um, so, you know, you get the lady up on stage that just can't sing worth a lick, you know, but her heart's in it, you know. Um, but, but there is, what we as Christians need to understand, there is a real, um, uh, good thing about understanding that God's created us differently with different skills and abilities. Mm-hmm. And what we tend to do is, um... Uh, like run from those because maybe those are not the skills we want to have. 
Maybe we want to be a good singer, but God's not giving you the skills to be a good singer. Mm-hmm. But God's giving you the the skills to to run a soundboard, or He's giving you the skills to to swing a hammer. Maybe you don't want to swing a hammer, but you're just really good at carpentry. But what you want to be is a is a CEO um, because that has more prestige or it makes more money. But God's not gifted you to be that. And but if so, if you pursue something that He's not gifted you to be, then you're not going to do it in a way that's just amazing and excellent and and such that that it brings us incredible glory to God. Instead, instead, what you should do is okay. God's gifted me in these ways, and if I if I instead of fighting against that, if I go all right, well, how has He gifted me? And I use that. Then I'm I'm not fighting against the stream, and I'm going to do it with the giftedness He's given me, which is going to bring great glory to Him, and that's something particularly as a man you really got to wrestle through, um, because there's so oftentimes that the way we've gifted God's gifted us is not the way we prefer to be gifted, mm. um, and so then what we end up doing doesn't bring, you know, at least doesn't bring the kind of glory to God or the amount of glory to God that we could. Um, in some senses, you're running from the way He's gifted you, um, and uh, you're not finding peace and rest in the way He's gifted you. Mm. And um, and then the product of your mission and your work is also subpar, and God doesn't get the kind of glory from that that He deserves. When instead, God's gifted me this way, I'm going to use that gift, recognizing His sovereign giving of that to me, and then when I do it, the product that's going to come out from that um, is going to be, I mean, likely, is going to be good. Yeah. Um, I think there's room to, I mean, you start with what you know that you're good at, and then once you're being faithful in that, then there's room to be creative and explore new things um, that and, and find out new things that God, and maybe with some work, you actually do have some other giftings as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and and you can always ask people to help you figure out those things, and you know, and it doesn't mean you can't develop new gifts, uh, or, or like, or let me back up, new skills. I'm not saying mm-hmm. you shouldn't do that, but I, I'm talking more like, you know, natural abilities. Like, I don't have the ability to be president of the United States. Like, mm-hmm. and not, I don't know that I would want to either, but. Like, I just, I don't have that capacity. I don't have that mental capacity. I don't have that administrative capacity. Um, I don't have that thick of skin. Like, mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. it would it would be a nightmare for me. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to be president? I do. Would I like the prestige of that and the influence and the power? Yes, absolutely. So it would be really easy for me to feel less than because I want that. But on the other hand, I know I don't have the chops to do it. Mm. And that... That, that can be really defeating when it doesn't need to be. I need to look, okay, God's gifted me these ways, and let me use those skills for His glory. So let me end with this, and then we're actually in the next episode, we'll get into uh, how do we take this building, like man mission, and then bring that into the household and form around uh, the man's mission, this household mission. But let me end with some dangers. And then real quickly, we also will, in the next episode, we'll touch on the wife's mission. 
Yes. As yes, well. Absolutely. Thank you. Yep. So just some dangers, and I want you, want you to do is in between this episode and next one, then to to begin answering those questions and take inventory, and uh, and do a little bit of homework. So, um, but some dangers. Uh, one is if you don't establish and develop your mission before you chase a wife, your wife will become your mission. Um, and again, that's a danger from Foster's book. So here, there's two things here. If you're single, you don't want to make chasing your wife your mission. I mean, there is going to be finding a wife, like, and that's going to be that will a, be a, mission a temporary mission for the time. Yes, seasonal mission. Exactly, but it can't be your life's mission. Otherwise, then your life is going to be oriented around her when it's supposed to be oriented around the Lord and the mission He's giving you that she's to help you on. That Which she's is to best help for you. her as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, like with Adam, the mission came first, like we had yes. talked about in Genesis. That's right. It before came in the wife. order. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that your career comes before caring for your wife once you get married. That, that's not what I'm saying. But it means that your orientation being away from the home is what the home itself is supposed to be about. Like that's what we're aimed at as It's so interesting. It's like not away from the home of like neglectful of the home. It's just outward, like bringing your household outward. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to, as a husband, you're still going to spend time working on parenting Mm -hmm. your kids and loving your wife and cooking and you're going to do it, but Mm -hmm. you're doing that while moving your household to look outward yes, towards the mission that God's given you that is not just your career, right? I mean, it's going to involve your career, but it's going to involve your ministry, and it's going to involve your property, and it's going to involve your neighbor, all of those things. You're moving your family toward that. Mm -hmm. So the next danger is selfish ambition. Because you overemphasize the career portion it could lead you to neglect your family or your church, or because you overemphasize your family, it could lead you to neglect your church, your career. Most men are not in danger of overemphasizing the church. Um, true. There's a few, but I think we'd be tone deaf to mm-hmm. spend a lot of time mm-hmm. um, beating that one into the ground, because for most men, that's not their struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, for most men, it is overemphasizing their career mm-hmm. to the neglect of everything else, or overemphasizing keeping their family happy to the neglect of everything else. Uh, instead, you must see your mission as a uh, a submission, if you will, of God's own mission, like mm-hmm. a a portion of God's mm-hmm. mission. And Foster gives a third danger, and that is dreams rarely come true. And it's just something you have to be realistic about. Like, you might have this dream to have this big, grand mission, and God's just not gifted you, or He's not gifted your family to accomplish that. And and But if you're realistic mm. and trust the Lord, I, that's the point here, is just it's really easy to have this. Uh, we're going to be from A to B in six months, and then you get there and you, your dream didn't come true. It's not happening on your timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, find a lot of men, particularly, and they get to their their middle 
years, their middle age years, where they realize, well, I'm not quite where I wanted to be. And then they go make a stupid decision. Like they're, they, wow, I haven't been this successful or my, my family's not here or, you know, so, you know, the popular phrase for this is like a midlife crisis. What happens is they realize they wake up one day, usually in their, their middle ages, and they realize I, my dreams didn't come true. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is most of our dreams don't come true. We have to have a taste for the ordinary. Yeah. You know, God is creator of even the ordinary. He is. And there's beauty in the ordinary. There's absolute there's, beauty. And for yeah. a man, there's glory mm-hmm. in the ordinary. God makes sure that the sun rises every morning. Mm-hmm. The repetition, the steadfastness. It's ordinary. Mm-hmm. The steadfastness of the Lord. And he brings the moon up every night. It's ordinary. And there's nothing flashy about that. But God does it over and over again and has been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. I think what sparks joy in that is is thankfulness and prayer to Creator God for those ordinary things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, we'd like to thank you for joining us this week. Um, and we'd like to really encourage you to consider visiting our Patreon page uh, and becoming a supporter. Um, now, as you go, we want to encourage you to seek God and His Word as you build your household through dominion and mastery to be joyful, sturdy, and productive.